Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. In the bullpen, we have a special bullpen, Mr. Tony Wynn, who was a victim of wrongful arrest and police harassment. Be our special guest, his video has gone viral. Also breaking down news of the day, none other than our dear brother, Mr. Farron Cousins, host of Ring of Fire should be a remarkable breakdown. First story of the day, a pastor of a church stole millions of dollars according to the federal government. Let me take you to the NBC reporting. His word is his will. When the pandemic hit, Canadian Joshua Edwards asked the US government to help his family's ministry stay afloat. He said they needed $6 million to keep paying more than 450 employees, according to court records, with the operation run out of this Florida office building. The government approved the PPP loan, even adding another $2 million, making it eight in total. But here's the problem. The only employees were the Edwards family, four of them. And Canadian records show the ministry's monthly income was just $5,500. The application was a total fabrication, signed off by an 88-year-old accountant in Canada suffering from dementia, as per court documents. Warren Smith is the president of Ministry Watch, an evangelical watchdog. So how didn't it flip a switch somewhere in the government when they saw this application? Well, it should have. This would have been easy if you just did a couple of Google searches on this. The bank would have known that there was nothing there. This money was supposed to go to businesses that were keeping people employed. And here you have this ministry taking advantage of that, allegedly. Yeah. Well, this kind of fraud is just absolutely reprehensible because there was a limit to those funds. Instead of funding a ministry set up to help the poor, the family put a down payment on this $3 million house in a gated community, blocks from Disney World. Within months, federal agents started asking questions. Let's put up the picture of the pastor and his family. I'm going to highlight some dynamics that were not discussed in this interview with NBC, but should have been. You're looking at Evan Edwards and his wife, Mary Jane, flanked by their son, Josh and daughter, Joy. You heard correctly when they said this was an operation based out of Canada. They had a Florida office, but it's based out of Canada. I need to propose something. Do you think if the company was, I don't know, based out of Mexico, they would have received the same favorable treatment? As a matter of fact, they applied for one sum of money. Hell, the government gave them more. Yeah, they said, you know what, guys, we're gonna actually give you a little bit more money than you wanted initially. Checks, balances, etc., not applied for this family or this operation out of Canada. Now remember, typically individuals who are approving these particular loans are doing so based on what? Paperwork, it was called a self-certification process. Meaning you were able to certify if these elements were true about you. That did not stop other agencies you interacted with from doing a proper check of the record. This did not happen. Ladies and gentlemen, with this particular operation, it also took money away from hardworking individuals who were trying to do the right thing because the money was made for who? For workers. 
If you were able to keep people working, you got an opportunity to take advantage of the allocation of money. That allocation was limited. There were many who could not get it, especially African American owned companies. Because the rules were created in a way that disenfranchised most African American owned companies. Something that the Biden administration addressed during the campaign trail and actually did change in this in the additional installment of money. So let's go down the rabbit hole. Uh, Florida, this is where it happened. A Florida pastor and his son were arrested on Wednesday on charges of fraudulently obtaining more than 8 million, 8 million in federal COVID relief funds and attempting to use some of the money to buy a luxury home near Walt Disney World. Eight million is a lot of money. And that money was taken directly from taxpayers according to the allegation. Do you think Governor Ron DeSatan is going to hold a press conference about how this is an utter, an utter disgrace as it relates to your money? Of course not. Do you think that lawmakers are going to make a big deal out of churches at large stealing money from people? Do you think the preacher only stole money from the government? Or do you think he's been stealing money from other people too? Just food for thought. Josh Edwards was taken into custody outside the Edwards family's new Smyrna Beach home. This happened December 14th, 2022. Mr. Edwards and his son, Josh, 30 years of age, were taken into custody five months after an NBC News report raised questions over why they had not been charged in the alleged scam, which federal prosecutors first identified in court papers in December 2020. It wasn't immediately clear if the family hired an attorney. So they didn't look into this until somebody actually did a story about it. And then things started to happen. Let me remind everyone, a PPP loan is a loan designed to provide a direct incentive for small businesses to keep their workers on payroll. First draw PPP loans can be used to help fund payroll costs, including benefits, and may also be used to pay for mortgage interest, rent, utilities, worker protection costs related to COVID-19, uninsured property damage costs caused by looting or vandalism during 2020, and certain supplier costs and expenses for operations. You could utilize the money for a wide array of things, but not for your personal benefit, not to simply buy a more expensive mansion. That is not what the money was for. And once again, it was a limited pot of money, which meant that 8 million was taken away from a company, a business owner, employees who needed it. We shall see. Um, how this continues to turn, but there's a reluctancy, especially from the right, to actually regulate in a significant way these operations known as churches. All right, my dear brother, what are your thoughts here? You know, the the PPP program is a good example of a government program with the best of intentions. And just maybe one of the worst executions ever. We have seen fraud case after fraud case. They're still uncovering new instances of instances of fraud. We just had a lawmaker here in Florida busted 
for a major fraud. He goes to trial in just a couple weeks for taking you know hundreds of thousands of dollars from the program for businesses that didn't even exist. So the story is not surprising, but what is a little surprising is, as you talked about, is the fact that it took so long for the for the prosecutors for for the police for anybody to do anything real about it we've known about it for 2 years at one point the family was actually pulled over for speeding and in the vehicle they found bags of shredded documents they had all of their cell phones in one of those bags where you can't track them just reeked absolutely reeked of something bad happening with these individuals and yet, yeah, we gotta wait two years before yep. we even make a move on them. When we we have all the evidence, we see all this incredibly, you know, uh, suspicious behavior. I mean, that should have been enough for somebody to say, okay, we gotta do something. But no, and I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with well, it's a ministry. Well, ugh, you know, we we don't want to get into that murky world of religion. We don't want people to think we're attacking a religion. This wasn't even a real organization. Right. It's not a real ministry, but they slap that label on it cuz I think deep down they know that our government's probably not going to look too deeply into that for fear of being accused of going after religion. Right. And who knows what would have happened if the original reporting would have never been done. And that's why I always advocate especially to my college students, you do not have any semblance of democracy without a free press. It doesn't exist. You cannot maintain it nor can you have it. All right. This is ironic. A cop, a female cop, LAPD, actually LA Sheriff's Office was caught on um, let's say the radio having a sexual encounter while on duty. I kid you not. Let's put up a picture of the uh, location where they believe this happened. A Los Angeles Sheriff's Department deputy is now under investigation after allegedly airing the sounds of a sexual encounter over the LASD radio feeds. Female deputy was working at the men's central jail in LA when the sounds of what seemed to be an intimate encounter began airing over the frequency. TMZ obtained a copy of the audio. Let me give you the content. Now, because of particular rules, I am unable to let you listen in on this particular encounter. There are rules in broadcasting that prohibit me from doing so. You can look it up on your own free time. But let me give you a description in the audio recording. The audio recording, a woman's voice can be heard giggling and warning her partner, you're gonna rip my underwear. Law enforcement sources told TMZ they suspect the deputy went to a parking structure with another person and accidentally turned her radio on while beginning the interaction. Eventually, the deputy realized the radio was live, but not before other people heard some interesting moans. Now, that is the current narrative coming from the sheriff's office. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is some type of I don't, voyeurism, frequency related. 
Maybe she thought she was on a channel where only certain people could hear. This is the response from the sheriff's department. The LASD told TMZ, they were launching an internal investigation into the incident to find out more. There is no lead as to who the other person was engaging with the deputy. But the investigation will inquire if it was another member of the force and they were on the clock. Depending on the outcome of the investigation will depend on the punishment for either person. It could range from suspension to a firing. Now let me remind everybody this was done while on duty. This was not done off the clock or she had a radio with her and she was you know, at home. This did not happen in that context. So likely this happened not only on the, cl- on the clock, it also likely happened on property, government property itself, okay? A similar situation actually occurred two years ago. An LA County Sheriff's deputy allegedly had sex on the Universal Studios lot and the guy had his mic open for all to hear. Apparently one of the participants was a movie buff because the encounter went down right by the Bates Motel on the lot. You hear a woman moaning as a dispatcher from the sheriff's station repeatedly tries to get her deputy's attention. Telling him he had an open mic, the deputy doesn't respond, but eventually the woman does. Okay, what in the hell is going on at the LA County Sheriff's Office? So we have two individuals on record. These are the ones that we can actually report. Do you think this is the only time it has happened? This is starting to look like a culture issue. Now, I don't give a damn what you do in your free time. But while you are working for the taxpayer, you need to be on duty to do a job. I mean, a real job of policing, not harassing people that are unsheltered, but actually real crimes, all right? So the reason this is worthy, worthy of covering is because if they would have caught someone doing this on the street, if they would have caught someone doing this in a car, that individual or those individuals would have been charged with multiple crimes, possibly even multiple felonies. But they're able to do it, why? Why do they feel so empowered to do these things? Because they believe based on the indoctrination of policing, how the industry has basically been immune to actual accountability, that they can break the law while in uniform, while on duty. All right, dear brother, thoughts here. You know, I think you just hit it on the on the head right there. This is a culture. I mean, you know, you're starting to see we've got repeat offenses here from the same department. It kind of seems like this is almost endemic with that particular police force. And I do think a lot of it has to do with the the power that comes along with it. I can do this. You know, this is something I'm not going to get in trouble for. I have such disdain for this position that I hold that sure, I'll go out to my car. It doesn't matter if we're on government property, in government property. We're gonna do this because I can. And that mentality, that behavior, that's the slippery slope that we see far too often with policing across the country. Oh, well, if I can get away with this, what else can I do? And that's what we have to be aware of here. I mean, listen, certainly not the worst thing we've had to talk about cops doing, 
but definitely a problem that does need to be addressed. And I think it needs to be a department wide investigation, not just into this one individual. Find out what the hell is going on with these officers. Why do they feel they can do this? I mean, bring in actual, you know, therapists, bring in psychologists, talk to everyone. And see if you can drill down into what this is really all about. Because I think you're right. I think there's a little more to this within that department than, than we know. Yeah, or just fire everybody who does it. <laughs> it's another way to go. All right, um, let's put this picture up. So here's what has happened. One of the victims of Epstein alleged a forced threesome that included attorney Dershowitz. Newly unsealed court documents made public reveal that a survivor of Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking testified that she was forced to have a threesome with Alan Dershowitz and another unnamed woman. The woman, Sarah Ransom, was then compelled by lawyers for Epstein's accomplice, convicted sex trafficker, Ms. Maxwell, remember her, to answer a series of invasive questions about the body and the genitals of Mr. Dershowitz. I want to remind everybody that allegations like this have surfaced previously about Dershowitz. Um, however, he was still allowed to be a commentator. Uh, he could break down legal and political issues on national news, not an issue. But these allegations were out there. Now, at one point, he did respond and say he was not a part of any of these shenanigans. But once again, more information comes out that he was. Now, remember uh, Jeffrey Epstein, he was, you know, he died under mysterious circumstances, according to the federal government. Uh, they say he committed suicide. I don't know about that. Uh, now, let's get into the rabbit hole here. Let me give you background on what led to the encounter. In a 2017 deposition, Ransom testified that she had been recruited by Epstein when she moved to New York City in 2006, when she was in her early 20s, and was frequently made to perform sexual acts for him. Within a few months, she said Epstein introduced her to Dershowitz a, to represent her as her lawyer. For a matter involving a man she had met through the website sugardaddy.com. Shortly after this first meeting, Ransom testified that she had had sex with Dershowitz in Epstein's New York residence. Around that time, Ransom said she arrived at Epstein's townhouse one day and found Epstein, Dershowitz, and an unnamed woman waiting for her. Ransom recalled that the woman took her upstairs and they began undressing each other as Epstein watched and masturbated. The two women were later joined in bed by Dershowitz. Here's how Ransom described the encounter, and I quote, a few minutes later, Dershowitz walked in the room. He started undressing, he got on the bed with the other woman and myself, and we basically had a three-way sexual interaction, Ransom said detailing that it wasn't a pleasant experience. I just tried to just get it done as soon as possible to get out of there, she explained. Ransom characterized the encounter as 
a coerced event and a traumatic experience. She also recounted being extremely upset by the encounter and trying to pay particular attention to the woman because I didn't want Alan touching me. I didn't willingly go, hey Alan, let's have some fun because no one on the planet would say that to Alan. Dershowitz also denies the claims in Ransom's 2017 deposition. She has no idea, he says, what my genitals look like. She made it all up, he told the Daily Beast. He also told the publication that he's had sex with one woman since the day I met my wife and denied ever being in contact with Ransom. In addition to Ransom and Guffrey's allegations, Dershowitz was admitted, also admitted to visiting Epstein's private island. Little St. James. At one point, he continues to face questions about records showing he also appeared to have a massage on one of Epstein's private planes. All right, here we go. Now, without getting into all of the crazy background to Epstein and why in the hell was he so damn connected while the government was aware that he was trafficking. Underage children. As a matter of fact, they had him, charged him, and then let it go. He continued, according to multiple allegations, to be a predator, but not just him. Some of the most powerful people in politics and in corporate <coughs> corporate relations was were involved. Now, how do we know that? Well, we don't know all of the players, but we do know this. The federal judge that actually sealed the original document, the original case, said there are people here involved who are the most influential in politics, obviously government and private corporations. Well, that judge did die a little bit after that, but the judge was up in age, so nobody questioned it. Epstein dies in a federal prison while being on suicide watch. He commits suicide, according to them. They just left him for a period of time and came back and he was no more. Why was this even sealed in the beginning? Why so much secrecy and the person at the center of the investigation is no longer in this physical realm? This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. There's so much more to this, I'm sure. We have only experienced the tip of the iceberg here. My dear brother, I'm interested in your thoughts on this whole saga, and I think the saga is going to continue. I agree 100%. And, you know, as far as the Dershowitz stuff is concerned, obviously, you know, I, I can't make any presumption of whether or not he did or didn't do this, but I will say he has faced so much criticism and, as he says, rejection and blacklisting over this. And to that, I say, good. You know, Everybody's entitled to legal representation. It's in the Constitution. You could have been Epstein's lawyer and then said, okay, good, I, I did your case, bye forever. I'm never gonna have contact with you. Dershowitz made the decision knowing about Epstein's behavior, knowing what he had done because he That's served fine. as his attorney. He made the choice to be his friend. He made the choice to go on the island, to go on the jet, to get a massage that he swears he kept his underwear on for the whole time. 
That's your choice, so you don't get to whine about the consequences that come from you making those decisions to hang around someone that you had all the information. There's no way Dershowitz didn't know that Epstein did all of this. And when you continue to be around that person, again, this is allegations aside, just your association with him should be the end of your career. But no, he's become a darling on the right wing. I mean, he's still going on these conservative shows offering his legal analysis because nobody in the real world of law and politics wants to touch the guy anymore. I was at a legal conference, I think it was about 2006, maybe 2005. And it was a big deal because the luncheon speaker was Alan Dershowitz. Everybody was captivated, you know, this was, oh my God, this is the, the Alan Dershowitz is here. Those days, those glory days for him are so far in the rearview mirror that they basically don't even exist anymore. Yeah. And he did this to himself. Again, we'll we'll find out with these allegations as everything moves forward. If 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 anything even happens for it, I know the statute of limitations, depending on where all of this took place, you know, that that's very unfortunate. But he can't escape his association, and that was a choice he made himself. You make such a compelling point that I have to highlight it again. You're right, one connection was a professional connection between a client and an attorney. Typically, we can understand everyone has the right to a defense. And obviously, if you have money, you have the right to the defense you can afford. After that, after all of this evidence is on record, after you are well aware of what kind of man Epstein is, you then voluntarily engage in a friendship, not a private friendship, it was pretty public. People were aware of this friendship. You made a decision to become friends with an individual like that. That's a character question for sure, if nothing else. So I agree with you 100%, brother. We got more on the other side. Is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Do not forget about Unbossed with Nina Turner, all right, right after Indisputable. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. She talks about real issues and how we can overcome the corruption. From the powers that be. Make sure you subscribe at youtube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. Remarkable program. All right, let me read some of these comments. I'm kind of pressed for time. Stop Dragon says, Well, Doc, they figure the Lord helps those who help themselves to other people's money. Seems like it. You know, you got to think about this the concept of stealing money and you're a pastor. Obviously, you do not believe in God, you do not believe in heaven or hell. Because if you did, you absolutely would not do that if you really believed in the concepts you preach about. Um, can't, can't underscore the side that's dragon. Whatever keeps them from killing unarmed citizens, uh, talking about the LA cops, say, hey, as long as they're not killing anybody, we're good with it. <laughs> they have a point. Um, let's go to uh, Pitchfork's Dragon. Thank you so much for that. A religious organization scamming people? Question mark. You don't say, why well, I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, and I'm going to say something. A lot of you know, 
people of faith will disagree with me. But damn, the root of faith has been utilized to manipulate the masses since day one. Since day one, right? Has been utilized to discriminate, to you know, to other people rather than to unite. Okay, for Zilla, Godzilla Dragon, member for six months, double dose. Thank you so much for that. Always love seeing legal legal analysis with Farron and Doc. Keep up the good work. You bring people from all over with your show, Doc. We love and appreciate you, and I love and appreciate you back. Thank you so much for that. Got something for you, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're still friends. Back off. There's an African American man threatening my life. Whatever the went on yesterday or today at home or whoever the got mad at you before today, you're taking it out on somebody else. Right now, you need to stop. You, you're ignorant. I'm ignorant. Yes, you are. I have a roofing company. You work at Dunkin' Donuts. Customer service representative. I made three hundred fifty thousand dollars last year. I'm ignorant. Yeah, the cops. What do they pay you? Twelve. The cops are on the way. We already made a report. They're not on their way. And you, last day of your job. So sad. Um, so I don't care what the argument was about. Okay? I don't. I know you are an adult, sir. I know you are grown, and in front of you are children, young people. And you decided in the argument to start throwing around how much you make as if you are more important than the child in front of you. I have a question for you, sir. At that time of your life, when you were her age, how much money did you make then? Also, do you really believe your money defines you? Because as easily as you made your $350,000, you could easily not. You see, when a person puts their value, their worth, their dignity in the amount of money they make, they have already told you who and what they are. They are individuals who have no identity beyond status, influence, power, and money. That's very sad because the experience of life is not about mammon or money, material items. It's really about fulfillment, love, joy, connection. If you have missed that part, you can be no moral giant against somebody else, not even a child. So let's be very clear, whatever the argument was about, I do not care. What I am concerned about is how adults treat children in any circumstance, period. That was a child in front of you, regardless of the context of employment and customer. You should lead by example, sir, rather than acting like an immature, spoiled brat. All right, dear brother, what are your thoughts here? You know, you can't, as that guy said, like you work at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, but you're you're eating at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, don't don't trash the company when you're sitting there being the patron. Not to mention the fact that I, I I've been to Dunkin' Donuts a couple times. It's not my favorite. I, I you know I have not had great experiences there, but I, I've never been angry 
You know, I understand you, you sometimes you've got younger people working. Sometimes you have new people working. Sometimes things get hectic. You know, I worked in fast food in, in my high school years. I, I guarantee you there were plenty of times when I messed up. I know there are plenty of times I've messed up. And luckily I never had anybody go to that level of outrage, but this guy's also talking, I don't care what happened at home yesterday that made you so mad. No, what happened to you at home mm. that made you walk into a Dunkin' Donuts already at a you know level nine out of 10 to make you boil over? Because clearly something had already happened to this guy that made him just you know one small coffee away from unloading on these two individuals who clearly, again, they're children like you said. And you're sitting there belittling them, berating them, acting like you should all have your own roofing business making 300. Let it go, brother. Just yeah. get your coffee, your donut, your breakfast sandwich, whatever it is. And if and if you're not happy with Dunkin' Donuts, if it's taken a little too long, guess what? The one thing there's no shortage of in the United States is places to go and get a coffee and a breakfast sandwich. That's right, that's right. And to the young people who work, who work at that Dunkin' Donuts, um, things like this may happen, utilize it as an opportunity to grow and understand what you will never become in your life. Allow these examples to create a lesson that says, I will never be that person. I will never be that person in my life, all right? That's how you use that lesson. We have another one just for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I feel sorry for your children. I feel sorry for your children. I feel sorry for your children. I chose not to have children, so I wouldn't have someone like you. And my children are well. We don't even. Why are you harassing us? Why are you harassing us? Because you're harassing us. You're harassing us. We're trying to look who's following who. And you're. Of Karens. Once again, Karens in the wild, natural habitat, a walking trail, and gym clothes. Uh, the young man, who is obviously a kid, was playing music. These particular Karens, as they were walking, said, This is disturbing and harassing them, the playing of music. And so they proceeded to insult the individual, the kid in front of them, rather than once again, being an example of decent adult leadership. No, they are going to criticize and besmirch the individual. And yeah, he gave them some of that energy back. I'm okay with it. So ironically, they could have simply either slowed their pace slightly. There are ways they could just not be around the music is my point, they're outside. Why is it so many times Karens believe 
that the world literally revolves around their desire. They're on a walking trail and there's music being played by somebody else. That person must adhere to the rules of Karenicity. Okay, fair thoughts here. These are people who have no joy in their own right. life. The only thing they can do is go and try to stamp out somebody else's joy. Because those guys, like, hey, we're, we're out on a walk, right? You, you, you Karens complain that we're all spending too much time on our phones in front of a screen anyway. And here we are, we're outside, we're in nature, we're enjoying ourselves, we're getting exercise, and we want to enjoy it the way we want to enjoy it. And I love that you pointed out like there's a hundred different things the these ladies could have done to avoid these two guys. They could have either jogged around them. They could have slowed down and said, hey, you know what? Let's just stop here for a minute or two. Let them get far enough ahead to where we don't hear. I mean, look, I, I've done that like with my family. You know, if we're walking in a big crowd and I'm like, ah, it's too crowded. Y'all just stay here for a minute. Let the crowd pass. Okay, now now we go. It I I, I do it all the time. And you're also right about the fact that the world revolves around them. Everybody else is just an extra in the movie of their lives. And sometimes the extra is a little on screen too much and you gotta put them in their place. That's what these ladies think because again, all comes back to they have nothing inside. They're yeah. not happy, they're, they're miserable and they want everybody else to be as miserable as they are. They are obviously a tag team duo who does this often. If you go back and look at the video, I mean, they were they were one and two. I mean, the entire time they were all on the same page. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Uh, Food for thought trivia. Don't forget, uh, click the join button. Become a member. Indisputable on YouTube for a chance to win a $100 gift card to Blue Apron. This is the last week of Food for Thought Trivia. Real simple, once again, click the join button, become a member of Indisputable on YouTube. As a member, you can participate in weekly Food for Thought Trivia during the Friday bonus episode. If you're one of the first 100 to answer the trivia question correctly, you'll be sent a $100 gift card. There it is from Blue Apron. Uh, your membership helps keep TYT sustainable and empowers us to fight for positive change in the world. Got some comments, let's get to it. There's a lot of them, we'll read as many as I can. Um, a very stable photographer says, this man thought he was so right, he posted it on the internet. Exactly, that shows you where he's at, right? Okay, uh, Texton says, this is a disturbing development doc. Karen's are starting to travel in packs. Well, it is, and we actually first witnessed this maybe about two months ago. Um, and that's when I decided to um, create the terminology, a cackle of Karen's. Um, this is a developing dynamic. We are continuing our research and we bring it to you as it comes. All right, we got uh, agnostic sister says, Oh no, not music. And then Octosquiddy says, music's too loud, better keep following it. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, uh, CNN host calls out the racism of an LA city council person. And it is artful to watch, here it is. 
Totally understand, but it wasn't you. What you it wasn't just that you didn't stand up. You also took part in the conversation. I mean, in it, you said you compared the young black child of a fellow councilman to um, being an accessory, like a luxury handbag. Well, let me give this some context because one thing I really wish that the media did was provide context and sort of. Um, it was much more nuanced, these general comments. Now, I mean, I can, pl- I, I can play it for them, and we don't need to go. I mean, no, I can, I know. I, yeah. Let's play, then let everybody hear what you said. Here, let me play this. What, what I want to say, what, well, God. let's play it. I mean, you have said in subsequent interviews, and you say you're profoundly sorry that you have failed in leadership yes. and accept responsibility. But what exactly was is the mis- what exactly was the mistake that you made that you are apologizing for? Well, obviously, there was a, uh, a it was I shouldn't have said what I said um, because it was actually a comment. Was I was criticizing actually Councilwoman Nuri Martinez for her pension for luxury handbags. Uh, no, 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 Councilman, that's not what you were doing, uh, Mr. De Leon. You were being racist. Now, we covered this when it first happened. So if you remember, there was a conversation, multiple council members involved, as well as some advocacy uh, leaders that were involved in this very offensive, very racist conversation that had real world impact, not only on their careers, but keep in mind, they were going to pass legislation based on their bias, that was the conversation. Which is a miscarriage, obviously, of their particular duty. This is not how it's supposed to go. Now, Kate would also ask, hey, why have you not resigned? Here it is. Every leader involved in this scandal, either including the now former council president, they're all, they've all resigned or are leaving because of the mess that this has created. Why are you not resigning? I know you say you still have work to do, but other members, the points that the council members are making still today about this whole thing is that they say that the city cannot heal if you are still there. And one member saying that your continued presence on the council is causing severe and ongoing harm. Well, let me say this, Kate, and let me be very clear about this. In a democracy, the voters make the decision. Uh, not folks uh, who are in the peanut gallery or political pundits or uh, even my own colleagues. That's your answer? Okay, so you engage in not only racist rhetoric, you are willing to engage in policy dynamics and make policy decisions based on your racial bias, you get caught in this supposedly off record conversation. It gets exposed and you tell the world you take full responsibility. That's what Kevin DeLeon said, I take full responsibility. But you have not, sir, you have not taken full responsibility. Let me tell you what has been damaged here. I'm an advocate for the black and brown coalition. Still an advocate for that today. You and your colleagues harmed that relationship. That relationship, sir, is bigger than you. And if you had any 
sense of nobility, you would understand that. Step away, reflect, maybe come back as a real redeemed individual. But you're not even able to answer simple questions about yourself. Which leads me to believe you have not dealt with what you did in an authentic way. There's more. Why is he still attending the council meetings? Well, it was polled. Here it is. Are you surprised by the reaction of the council members who left in protest and also people in the community who are clearly still very upset and not over this scandal? Well, good morning, Kate. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't quite surprised by a handful of individuals who serve on the city council with them walking out. Um, obviously, uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but nonetheless, I came on Friday to get back to work. There is in the city charter, um, it does say that an office becomes vacant when an office holder is absent from the city without the consent of the council for more than 60 days. Your attendance on Friday to that council meeting was, depending on how you count it, either exactly the 60 day mark or just before. I know you said you wanted to return to, to get back to work, but is that also why you showed up in order to avoid no, a fight over your seat? No, because today, for example, we have a council meeting and I'll be attending the council meeting today as well. Come on, man. Come on, you went to the council meeting to avoid or to stop their ability to then basically remove you because you were inactive. So we know exactly why you went to that particular council meeting. And listen, just a few days ago, he went viral for this. Here it is. As you're on tape, you're on tape making fun of a colleague's young black child when there's a racist conversation that's occurring. That colleague who's a fellow Democrat now still considers you and his words are a vile racist is how he puts it, Councilman. You've been absent from the committee since October. The council meetings have been shut down multiple times over this scandal due to committee members, community members protesting and the committee not being able to operate the council. And then the last week you got into a physical fight, no matter who started it, and I know there is video that has come out to show how serious the altercation did become. But you got into a fight then on Friday with an activist. If this was anyone else, would you say that the person I just described is serving their community well? No, let me say this, Kate, is that's not the person who I am. Let me underscore that. I have a body in the history of progressive you know, policies that have improved the human condition for all individuals, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you come from, regardless of the color of your skin or your legal status or who you love or which God you pray to. That's who I am. You're a lie. Let me tell you why. Now, I'm not highlighting the fight. You may have been defending yourself based on some commentary, I don't know. But I do know this, you're not the person you proclaim to be. You're not the individual we thought you were. Yes, you have championed particular legislation that I agree with. Yes, we believe that you were one of the authentic allies to the fight for fairness, progress, equity, unity. What was exposed is your hypocrisy that was exposed. Now, if I allow you to get away with this, if I say, you know what? The guy actually does vote the right way, that's, that's all, that's all there, there needs to be. What makes me different than a racist ass Trump supporter? When individuals know they're racist and know their heart is not in the right place, but they continue to support them because they may vote a particular way. 
At some point, there has to be a moral and ethical rule, culture that cultivates the heart of a person as well as their politics. Because out of your heart, sir, the mouth speaketh. And you spoke out of your heart. I'm not saying you cannot change. I am not saying you cannot redeem yourself. But I am saying that when you hopped on CNN, you align your ass off. You have not dealt with your own humanity or shortcomings as it relates to race in America. Which also tells me that even though you may make the right decision based on policy at times, you are also prone to make the wrong one. All right, fair thoughts here. You know, it, it, it really comes down to which is the real persona and which is mm. the fake persona. Are you really the individual seen, you know, roughing up the guy on the video? Are you the guy on tape making those racist comments? Or are you the, the guy out there fighting for progressive causes? One of those is the real you, right. and they do not coalesce together. And at this point, it's starting to look more like the fake you is the one voting for progressive measures because you think it'll help your career. The real him is the one we heard on that tape. That's my belief as well. It's unfortunate, but we have to show that we're different than those we come against. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. Travel Nurse Dragon says, this guy's last name should be Pampers because he's full of ish. I concur. Um, Daddy Beer Melt, I think. Yeah, everything is nuanced when you're trying to backpedal. That's right, yeah. Um, and uh, I think this is Dringer. A Dringer Dragon underscore Dragon. Look at this, at his dumb Tucker face. That's what I was like, what does that face remind me of? It was a Tucker Carson face. That's right. Which he probably likes. Okay. Um, very sad story. Wellness check goes horribly wrong. That trial may conclude today. A Tatiana Jefferson had a welfare check done. And it was handled improperly. Let me remind you of the story. Here's the body cam.
While the officer was walking around, did you hear him identify himself? Did you hear him say, police, are you okay? I'm here to help. No. That trial may conclude today. This is a former cop. Now, obviously, let's put up his picture, full mask beside the victim. So sad. This morning, a Tarrant County jury heard closing arguments in the murder trial for a 38-year-old Aaron Dean over the fatal shooting of 28-year-old Tatiana Jefferson inside of her Fort Worth, Texas home. She was at home, it was a welfare check. Not only did he do it improperly, he did it criminally. The presiding judge told the jury that they have two charges to consider during their deliberation. Murder or the lesser charge of manslaughter. Ms. Jefferson was shot dead by Officer Dean through a bedroom window. After Dean testified, she pointed a gun at him. One witness to her death was her then eight-year-old nephew. His name is Zion Carr. Officer Dean said he had his weapon out because he believed the home was in the midst of being robbed. He fired at her through the window because we're taught to meet deadly force with deadly force. We're not taught that we have to wait, he said. Jonathan Priest, let's put him up, a forensic expert called upon by prosecutors. Said Dean should have remained at Jefferson's front door instead of circling her home unannounced. I don't know why they leave the front door, but going through the gate only exacerbates this. They have to open that gate if somebody is back there, Priest said, of Dean and a second who was with him. He also said what he saw was problematic. Body cam footage showed Dean arrive at an open door. It was an open front door, which was the reason he was ordered to check on the house in the first place and then circle the home. Prosecutors say Jefferson heard a noise outside and grabbed her gun. Dean testified Monday that he fired through the window after Jefferson pointed a gun at him. Something prosecutors say never happened per the child's testimony. The child said that that never happened. Regardless of how the incident ended, Priest said Dean should have never been near Jefferson's window at all. An action Dean claimed is Fort Worth PD's procedure for responding to a home with doors left open. However, in cross-examination, he admitted many of his actions that night were bad police work, including firing without seeing her hands or what was behind her. Failing to tell her, tell his partner he saw a gun and rushing into the home without fully ensuring that it was safe. All of these are dynamics of negligence that led to the death of another human being. You are responsible for your negligence. Even if you did not have intent to murder, you are responsible for gross criminal negligence for sure. The prosecution did not use kid gloves with this officer while recounting the events. While recounting the events led to the deadly shooting, Dean became visibly shaking, started to cry. I know you're crying now, but you weren't crying when you decided to administer CPR, I Tatiana. When you decided not to administer CPR, 
Prosecutor Dale Smith said to Dean during cross-examination. Okay, you have a few violations here, obviously. One, he breaks all protocol. Two, shoots to kill someone and he's unable to actually see them. Three, after doing the shooting, he doesn't even bother to provide standard first aid, CPR. It's trained to do this, by the way, to preserve life. You see, Officer Dean, you went into that situation not valuing the life of the person inside from go. That's the reason you responded the way you responded. Once again, closing arguments um, settled today. We shall see, hopefully, a conviction very soon. Um, dear brother, what are your thoughts here? The neighbor <clears throat> that called this in called yeah. the non-emergency right. police number. So she, even the neighbor, didn't think, oh God, the house is being broken into. We need the police officer should not have 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 been the one to respond to that first and foremost. This is a non-emergency. It could have been likely a health emergency. Uh, ambulance, fire department, those should have been the first people on that scene. But instead, this officer was dispatched there with gun in hand, knowing that this was reported as a non-emergency, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, the failures in this are not just with that officer itself, which he has too many failures to even count at this point. The failures go from the top, the dispatch, all of it, all of it has to be examined. Why did we send an armed individual for a wellness check when the neighbor thought it was likely a health-related? issue. That's right. That that to me, I mean all of this and I'm sure that neighbor has got to be just absolutely beside themselves. I mean, I would be knowing, hey, I was trying to help my neighbor who I thought was in crisis and now unfortunately my phone call led to this horrible event. My god, just the failures across the board, top down systematic has to be has to be reformed and we can't just the officer's not the only one. I mean, obviously, he's the one who pulled the trigger, but there's so many other steps in that process that are being ignored, and we can't ignore it because that's what led to what happened. Well said. You have a policy dynamic, you have a personal responsibility dynamic, and you have the professional dynamic. All of those things were out of whack, and it caused the outcome that you see. Dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the show. Always great to have your insight. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, uh, youtube.com slash the ring of fire. Also youtube.com slash fair and balanced. And I'm a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at fair and balanced. And thank you, Dr. Richie. You are a bright spot in an ever depressing world. So I appreciate the time to talk to you. Thank you so much. The feeling is mutual, my friend. Until next time. Thank you. All right, we got more on the other side. The bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. You have seen the viral video of Mr. Tony Wynn, who was wrongfully arrested at a Walmart. Let me take you to that video, and I also have the 911 call, and I have Mr. Wynn on the show. Here it is. 
year. Does not matter. A year? Yes, you can't come back. That was like 10, 15 years There's ago. No what are you that. talking about? There's no limit on that. We are grocery shopping. What are you talking about? You're trespassing the store. You're not allowed to be here, aren't right? It said Let 10, 15 go. years ago. No. Let's go. Where are you taking him? What the? Where are you taking him? Once you trespass as well, so let's go. For what? For grocery oh, shopping? Hey, that guy right no, for a, being look, trespassed. Look, for look, grocery look. shopping? Hey, look, record him right there. The trespass has been confirmed. He has been trespassed here actually this year. So he will not be staying here. He's going to be going to jail tonight. All right, I need you to get in the car and drive away because if you come back here, you're going to also be going to jail for trespass. Okay. This is disgusting. I'm sorry you feel that way. I literally, I'm literally hey, going to go hey, on the seizure. Hey, if you go into seizure, let me know. I'll have EMS come out. His girlfriend, Lauren, was there. Uh, baffled, obviously, by what was happening. Once again, he was wrongfully arrested. We have the proof of that. Now, here's the 911 call that sparked the entire incident. Here it is. There is an Asian male in the store right now. His name is Cody Vonderlin. He is trespassed from the store. He is not allowed to be here. And he also tends to be violent and carries weapons. What is he wearing? I I did not get a great look at him. I think it's like a blue long sleeve shirt and a backwards hat. I didn't want to make eye contact with him because he's very aggressive and he knows who I am. Okay, give me one moment to know that. Okay, yeah, Julie Emerge calls with dispatch, sorry. Yeah, he's looking for you. Where is he? Uh, HVA. <clears throat> he's looking for me? Yeah, he's saying that while she's shopping, he's standing in action alley looking around looking for you. Yeah, this guy's got to, he's got to get arrested. I'm tired. He can't be in here. This guy absolutely sucks. Okay, you said he's very aggressive and he carries weapons? He tends to carry knives on his person, yes. And he is very confrontational, very aggressive. Okay. Still looking around, looking for you. Does he have a visa? Um, the last time he was here, he was also trespassing. He came in like a giant Hummer with a trailer on it. I did not see what car he arrived in today. First of all, that's a scary ass security guard who is afraid to make eye contact with someone and you signed up to be a security guard, number one. Number two, his name is not Cody, that was the wrong person. The security guard said first and last name. The individual that the officers arrested did not match. First and last name given to the 911 operator, that didn't matter. They still decided to effect an arrest. There's some nuance here that must be discussed. Tony Wynn, thank you for joining the program. We appreciate your time, sir. How are you? Good, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Sorry this happened to you, but we're gonna get into the nitty gritty. And you do have a court date coming up. Let me first ask you, were you the person who they were referring to in that particular arrest? Correct. You were not, you were not the oh, person. Oh, no, I was not the person, correct. Okay. Now, did the officer ever tell you, hey, we're looking for somebody named Cody? Is your name Cody? Can I see some ID? Did that never. ever happen? That never, never happened? Never. Okay. Um, at what point 
did you realize that you were going to be arrested? Give us the scene in your own words. Um, basically, once he put me behind uh, in the in the cop car, um, I knew I was going to jail at that point. Um, he he was convinced that I was trespassing 2018, and for some odd reason, and I didn't know anything about a Cody, so this so he was convinced I was trespassing. I'm, you know, so at that point I didn't you know if a name wasn't brought up, so I did, I was just assuming that he knew I was you know my name was Tony. Let's highlight something here. When you first, <clears throat> when the encounter first happened. How did it go down inside of that Walmart? Uh, I was just, you know, I was looking at some toys, I believe, in the toy aisle, Hot Wheels, and um, he just came from behind me and said, "You're under arrest for trespassing." That's uh, it. That's it. Literally, what you see on the video. At any point, did they try to confirm your identification as it relates to the 911 call? Never, sir. Okay, so that's obviously a violation. We do have a picture of the man. Um, Cody that they were referring to if the producers can put that picture up. That's Cody, that's the person um, according to the authorities uh, and according to uh, the narrative, that's the person they were actually looking for. Now they chose not to uh, verify your identity. Um, you get arrested, you take that ride, what happens next? So um, on the way to the jail, um, he's telling me, "Oh, you know, it was you. Uh, and then I was uh, trespassed on um, this this year as well. So at this point, I'm confused, and I keep and then I kept kept telling them, I'm like, you know, this isn't me. I'm confused. Like, you know, I'm confused. Like I was never trespassed. So um, then that was pretty much, you know, just me saying that I was never trespassed, whatever. And um, and and that's just the ride going to the jail. Okay. Um, obviously, this could have been a very dangerous situation for you because. Uh, the way the call came in, they said you were basically armed and dangerous, that you were aggressive, that they were afraid of you. This could have gone down a completely different way, especially if you would have been, let's say, more aggressive about not getting arrested, which would have been understandable, correct? Correct. So, okay. like, on my, on that, that's one thing that I really wanted to point out to. That's funny because, like, it's sad that, like, it takes, you know, somebody's death to get that attention. Mm. Like, imagine if I would have spazzed out. Yeah. I would have got that attention I needed, but at the same time I would be dead. You know, so that's you know that's a crazy part. And yeah, like he said, it, it, over a misunderstanding. You know, I could have been dead because he said I was armed and dangerous. Now, now let's say five, five. You know, a SWAT team would have pulled up, and you know I would have did one thing fast. I would have, you know, done all got killed. Yeah, and and that's how serious this is. So let me ask you about Walmart. The security guard obviously works for Walmart. Uh, the employee or employees that back this play, they work for Walmart. Has Walmart or Walmart security said anything to you? Uh, an apology, a letter, a conversation? No, the funny thing is that they're actually on my channel bashing me now. They're like, they're talking down on me. They're telling my, um, you know, my subscribers that, you know, I was threatening them or whatever the, you know, whatever their comments are. That's very unfortunate. Um, at this point, is there a consideration uh, to litigate against Walmart for this false arrest? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now you said something during the false arrest that I need to um, examine with you. Okay. You said you know that was 10, 15 years ago. Explain what happened 10 or 15 years ago. 
So um, my arrest in 2013 was for a petty theft. I did get arrested from that Walmart for a petty theft. Yeah. Um, long story short, I had uh, teeth work. I had my, my, my wisdom tooth pulled and yeah. it was completely removed. They, I wasn't supposed to drive from to the dentist or leave the dentist. So I was under influence and the, uh, the dentist office was across the street from that Walmart. So um, I went to the Walmart somehow. I don't recall most of this stuff. I'm just reading, you know, I just, this is what I read on the report. Um, I bought a gun safe and some some other stuff, and supposedly went out and came back in and got the same thing. But I had a pocket full of money at the time, and um, that's all I recall. So they they trespassed me for that for a year, and um, I went to court and I did. I was um, sentenced to six months on probation with early term with two months. Okay. And I was off in two months. So this is really interesting. Um, you did have a trespass many years ago, as you said right. to the officer, you were honest about that. That was right. not a lie, that was you being honest. Right. They still did not check who you were compared to what the 911 uh, caller said. In addition to that, when you have a trespass, and you come back to a business and they transact business with you. According to judicial theory and judicial ruling, right. they have now forfeited the trespass. Meaning you're allowed to come back to the property. There's no longer criminal dynamic connected to your trespass. Has anybody explained this to you since this happened? Uh, so I've had one person that actually said that to me. Um, the second day being out of jail, I don't want to say his name yet. Yeah. But uh, basically, it's now like since I've been coming back, it's no, no and void, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a customer now, a repeat. Yeah, that's right. And, and typically, a company will trespass you for one year or so. They Correct. usually and won't ban you forever. Walmart credit card too. I've had a Walmart credit card for like five or six, maybe longer to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what has this experience um, done for you? How do you feel after it? Honestly, like I'm stressing every day. Like it's it's sad. It's it's mentally, emotionally, like physically draining. Like I barely eat. I barely sleep. Um, like I have to worry about you know when I drive now. Like it's and when I go to stores. Like hey, you know it's it's crazy. Like it, I mean I see I see it on TV all the time, but I never thought it would be me. Right. And, and I'm I'm glad I didn't you know spaz out or react in a different way because I could, yeah I would have been dead by now yeah um, I commend you sir I commend you for the way you responded in the middle of really an impossible situation you did nothing wrong you did nothing illegal you were not the person uh, they said you were you were not the individual named Cody um, and you had committed absolutely no crime um, at this point obviously Walmart. Looks as if they're going to double down. Um, if you recall, Walmart has a zero tolerance policy as it relates to theft. Uh, I'm asking you to have a zero tolerance policy as it relates to somebody violating your rights. Okay? All the way, all the way, sir. We're going, we're going all the way. Thank you, brother. All right, I'm going to continue to um, update and follow this story as it develops. Uh, if you have some additional information, please don't hesitate to contact us here. Okay? All right, thank you. All right, good luck to you, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.
racist and weird. Okay, let's go ahead and put the picture up full mass here. Well, well, this is interesting. What are you doing with the fake rose, sir? Okay, um, obviously the individual who is the male Karen for today says um, he was simply making a joke about black women and the capacity that a black woman has to do a particular job, operations, be precise. And then he proceeded to do whatever that action was. Um, since I'm not a comedian, I'm going to allow our registered <laughs> comedian uh, to opine on this particular male care. Go ahead, sir. Well, uh, once again, you, you see the actions of somebody who's never been punched in the mouth. <laughs> See, now, you know, if, if as a child he had been punched in the mouth, that would stay with him and he'd be like, you know, I probably shouldn't bother these women. Hmm. It's, it's so ridiculous. So, we, and again, we know how this plays out, right? First of all, he's going to be identified yeah. because they're always identified, and then he's going to lose his job. And then, then, you know, what do we have here? We have racism, we have sexual harassment, and we have utter stupidity. And, and all under the excuse of, oh, I was drunk, I was trying to make a joke. They, they're always trying to make a joke. How about, uh, yeah, I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. These women handled this rather nicely. They did. Uh, and, and fortunately, there was, wasn't was a black man in the bar who might have taken offense to this and this could have went the other way really quick. Um, yeah, he's just a stupid drunk, and this again, I think he'll he'll be exposed, and there'll be some penalty for it. Um, fortunately, it wasn't anything more than that, and the women handled it fine. But yeah. no, nah, this isn't a joke. And again, I, I fought someone 30 years ago when he was a kid. If he'd have taken a shot in the mouth, that would have stayed with him. <laughs>